not working. What was that noise? I see something outside. Don't go out there! Prepare yourselves for a dark and twisted tale. Wanna play a game? How long can you survive? Welcome back, everyone. This is your uh, your spoopy host, Tyler. And I'm Tori. And we're so sorry we didn't do an episode last week. I got really preoccupied with work and then have been a bad host. I'm so sorry, guys. But you did get your new computer. I did get my new computer. We now have the technical difficulties sorted out. Hopefully. Knock on wood. So that was another reason I was spending a lot of time getting that set up and situated for this week's episode. So, uh, hopefully things are going to go a lot smoother from now on. Yeah. So, Tori, do you want to talk about what, uh, what spooky episode we're going to be talking about today? Well, it's a game that we've been obsessed with. We've actually done an episode on it in the past. Yeah, really creepy. Pokemon Snap. Oh, shoot. <laughs> now, we're talking about the new Resident Evil that came out, Resident Evil 8, The Village. Mm-hmm. And, wow, uh, just to, like, just to reiterate, if you guys have not heard our Resident Evil episode, really go back and listen to it, because, <sighs> wow, Resident Evil 8 was fantastic. <laughs> Resident Evil is overall an amazing franchise, and I love when we can play two-player. Um, I'm sad that we could not do that in this one. Still a really good storyline, and creepy, spoopy things, and I thought it took a really good turn from, you know, the virus of, like, zombies to what it actually is. To werewolves, vampires, and fish. Oh my. Don't forget the creepy little doll. <laughs> As a recap, Resident Evil 7 was about this completely new guy. The game is set entirely in first person, which is completely different for the franchise because always Resident Evil has been a third person shooter slash survival horror game. And so, you're, you know, you're always looking at the person. So now having it in first person really changed the series entirely. And it started this character named Ethan Winters, whose wife Mia mysteriously disappeared. So he heads to this small place in, I believe, in Louisiana, where he meets the Baker family. Well, the Baker family has kidnapped Mia, and there is a weird virus that they're inflicted with. And it it just kind of drives them crazy. Like, the son becomes essentially Jigsaw. The, the father, um, John Baker, or Jack Baker, I can't remember, it was John or Jack. And, um, he is just, like, this insane guy that constantly follows you around throughout the game. He pops up randomly, you have to run around him, and it's just, you know, it's really creepy. At one point, you're actually getting chased by him with a chainsaw. Yes, and poor Ethan, his hands get messed up in both Resident Evil 7 and Resident Evil 8. Oh yeah, the hand fully gets chopped off. And, like, stapled back on in Resident Evil 7. Yeah, like, it's nothing and still usable. 
Which, of course, now makes more sense having played 8. So, that being said, super spoilers, guys, because we've got to spoil that entire plot, but I still highly recommend you play the game. Because <laughs> I can guarantee that there are points that we will not hit, and you will definitely have a great time playing it, whether you know what's going to happen or not. Yeah, so this is going to be a fun little review, because I just, wow, I beat that game, and there were so many moments where I was so creeped out i i there was that one point where tori's in the room working and i'm in the living room playing the game and she just hears me yelling like oh god oh no oh no no stop it no <laughs> cursing up a storm i'm just looking at the wall just laughing this game again follows ethan who after saving his wife from this uh this deadly virus called the mold and the baker family they now have this beautiful new little daughter, and they are living this picture-perfect life until the main savior of the Resident Evil franchise, Chris Redfield, who was the main character in the first game and the main protagonist in many games to follow, comes in with his team and they shoot Mia. They kill Ethan's wife in front of him. And this is a huge shocking twist because, I mean, Chris is the good guy. He's always been the good guy. Why did he just bust into this house and shoot up Ethan's wife after Ethan went through this whole ordeal and was eventually saved by Chris at the end of Resident Evil 7? So this is a whole lingering mystery throughout the game. After Mia gets shot up, Ethan's daughter has completely disappeared and he wakes up outside in the snow, outside a van that was just completely knocked over and wrecked. At this point, Ethan decides to, well do the only thing he can do, and walk. So he finds this nice little quiet village. It's almost too quiet. Too quiet. And he, you know, he's looking for people, he's finding some items here and there, and that's when he gets attacked by a goddamn werewolf. <laughs> Which is completely new to the Resident Evil series. We've never experienced werewolves, and they did a really good job kind of introducing why they're they're werewolves, even though they aren't technically werewolves, because, you know, this is primarily a zombie game with mutated monsters, which the mutated monsters are called bioweapons, because it's typically some man-made biological virus that turned these things into giant monsters. Mm -hmm. Now, Ethan is just running around being like, where's my daughter? You know, he's basically Liam Neeson from Taken at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have my daughter. I don't have a particular set of skills, but I got something and I'm coming for you. <laughs> and it was kind of nice knowing that Ethan was kind of training under Chris Redfield for a little bit. Because now he's a lot more agile, he can fight a little bit better compared to Seven, and he just seems he, like he knows a little bit more what he's doing this time around, having experienced everything from Seven. The biggest oh my god moment I had in this game was right in the beginning, and it brought me back to how I felt about the first time when I played Resident Evil 4. So when you play Resident Evil 4, you're playing as a returning protagonist named Leon Kennedy, and he stumbles upon this village. And this game's entirely in third person, and, you know, all of a sudden, all the villagers start attacking him. And it's intense, you know, you're like, running around trying to find ammo, you're shooting all the villagers that are trying to kill you, and then this giant hooded figure with like this brown sack over his head and a chainsaw comes at you and it's terrifying. Back in the day in like 2004, 2005 when this game came out, it was terrifying. It, you know, I was 
like 10, 11 years old at this point playing this game, and I was just like, oh my god, this seems intense. Well, fast forward that to Resident Evil 8, they do the same thing, but this time you have more intelligent werewolf-like humanoids after you, and then on top of it, this giant Krampus-looking guy carrying this huge battle axe coming after you. And that is significantly worse, and it's all in first person. I, it really brought the terror, and it brought me back to that first time when I was like 10, 11 years old playing that scene, but in a more more terrifying environment. Especially since it was the first time playing it too, because I remember after that scene, you kind of like looked around and you're like, okay, like there are some barrels over here. Like I could have done this. I could have done that. That would have significantly helped you in the battle. Right. But when you're thrown in there without really knowing much, like your very first time, you have a lot of anxiety. Yeah, I was so overwhelmed playing this because there were so many people coming at me. I was running out of ammo. I was trying to grab things, and I was just, oh, I couldn't handle it. <laughs> and, I, and I don't panic easily, especially in video games because, you know, I mean, I've been playing video games since I was little, and I've I normally play intense video games like this all the time. But this one, like, really triggered, like, 10-year-old Tyler playing Resident Evil 4 for the first time. And I, I love that nostalgic feeling playing this game. Now, naturally, I died. Or at least I thought I died, but I continued on with the cutscene. Luckily, because I was getting wrecked <laughs> really bad. That's what I was kind of thinking, too. Like, I know that there are some games where you literally have to die. Or fail this mission in order to... Progress you with know, the story. Yeah. Or, like, it doesn't matter whether you, like, win or lose. Like, it still goes on. Right. The crazy part, though, is that <laughs> the story gets more intense from here. After a little bit of, like, running around and meeting a few people, you know, the, the last remaining villagers, which sadly all get wiped out in front of you in, like, a single moment... Ethan finds himself in front of the, the four lords of the village. And I'm blanking on all their names at the moment, but I'll give you a brief description of all of them. So you have the first lord. Her name is, and I'm going to butcher it because I can't do a French accent. I think it's Lady Demiscule. Yes. And she is this nine and a half foot tall vampire lady. Which I really think it's funny because a lot of the people on the internet are using her as a, um, a sexual awakening. <laughs> For some reason. Oh yeah, no, like everyone's just like, oh, playing Resident Evil 8, falling in love with Lady Demiscu. <laughs> I saw a couple TikToks of like these, these, this one girl playing the game and she's like, sees the scene with her and then she kind of looks at the camera and goes, I think I'm gay. <laughs> I was cracking up with that TikTok. It was really funny. <laughs> or just like the comparisons of height too. Of a five foot something girl is literally only at Lady Demiscu's like hips. hips. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's huge, and it's really terrifying because when you're dealing with her, you're also dealing with her three daughters, who are these other like vampire girls, but they turn into like beetles. So you always kind of know they're around because I mean you'll see the beetles flying. But then you'll be wandering around the castle, and you'll just see this, like, giant, almost 10-foot-tall woman come through a door, and you're just like, oh, God, and try to book it the other way before she, like, smacks the crap out of you and murders you. 
and probably one of my favorite villains in the game. Like, I, I, I can see why Resident Evil focused a lot on her in, like, the trailers and everything. Next, we have this demonic little doll. Well, not really. I, I believe that her name was Donna. She basically creates these illusions through, like, flowers in the air, and it makes you hallucinate and see things. Well, when you go against her, what I hated was the fact that you didn't have weapons. You're wandering around this house like it's a giant escape room trying to solve all these puzzles, and you can't fight back in any way. You have nothing. There's a moment where, as you're going through this, like, giant escape house, you're, you're about to, like, open a door, and then in a dark hallway, you see this giant blobby baby face just come out of the side of the wall and starts giggling like a young baby and i was just like oh god <laughs> immediately turn around start running and this thing's like this giant sluggish baby thing i i can't even describe what this thing looks like it is so grotesque looking I love how these like baby characters because this isn't the first one that you've gone against Anytime you go against something that's, like, baby-like or little doll-like, you just get so creeped out by it. And you keep saying that those are, like, the creepiest things in games. Yeah, well, especially because I wasn't expecting this giant gelatinous slug baby with, like, a regular baby face, but, like, all kind of melted and fleshy-looking. It was gross. I really cannot describe what this thing looks like. But this thing just starts coming at you. And I was just like, oh, hell no. <laughs> and I can't shoot it. That's the worst part. <laughs> <laughs> but those are always the most fun. And Tori's doing a really creepy impression of the doll girl. <laughs> yeah. And no, that she has, like, I've heard her. And I actually saw, like, a scene, um, a quick little snap of... Um, the motion capture? Yeah, which was actually really cool, like, seeing her like that. But just getting into that, like, playful, creepy, like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's fun to do. Yeah, it, it's weird because, like, this girl, I, I want to say her name was Donna, but I'm blanking on it right now, which is sad because I literally just beat the game not too long ago, <laughs> like, a couple days ago. And Well, the game hasn't been out for that long either yeah it's been out for like a little over a week <laughs> but what, what was interesting about her is that she was able to create like a living doll but her personality was essentially inside the doll and her human self is always kind of invisible due to this hallucinogenic thing that she has in the air from the flowers and so i love the backstory that they gave these characters and then we have the third character who is uh, Monroe, I believe his name was, or something like that. But he's like this Frankenstein-looking guy that turns into a giant fish that pukes up acid and everything. And he's really gross. He was annoying to deal with. I kept dying. Was that the guy that I accidentally turned off the game without knowing that you hadn't saved? Yep. <sighs> I just beat a boss fight, hadn't saved, left the room because... Tori and I were talking about going to bed, but I hadn't saved yet, and then I was like, oh yeah, you know, when I'm done with this, I need to go save. Wait, what? Oopsies. Luckily, the game auto-saved, because I, I didn't realize it at that point, and I was just like, ugh, okay, I guess I gotta fight this boss again in the morning. <laughs> oh no, you straight up looked at me, and you're like, alright, well, if it didn't save, you're the one that's gonna beat him next. 
Yep. <laughs> You're going to learn to play. Which to me is the most terrifying part because I'm nowhere near an expert level. Like, I'm still a noob playing, like, video games. Like, my aim sucks. And half the time I can't figure the controls out. I mix things up and just overall not good. So <laughs> it would have taken me like a hundred tries. And then I would hand the controller over to Ty and be like, baby, I can't. <laughs> this guy annoyed the crap out of me. Because <laughs> there's that one point where he turns to this giant fish thing and you have to dodge him. And I kept getting eaten by the fish. I was getting mad. The boss fight wasn't too bad. I think I died once. But then after I kind of figured out the strategy, I was like, okay, I got this. Yeah, because there are some things that he, like, surprises you with. Yeah, I wasn't expecting the acid rain because I got too far away from a safe cover and then I burned to death. Yeah. And then lastly, you deal with this guy named Heisenberg who sounds like he's doing a bad Nicolas Cage impression. But <laughs> 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 Not really. I mean, he sounds very creepy, but, like, <laughs> to me, I just kept thinking of Nick Cage. <laughs> and... Heisenberg had this really cool power where he was basically Magneto and he controls like electricity in the air so he's able to like manipulate metals and things like that kind of like static shock a little bit also hmm. so he, he was a really cool guy and uh you end up fighting him and this like giant tank thing yeah and then you, and then you beat him it was a really fun boss fight and then you get to the giant twist at the end of the game and again spoilers what you come to find out is that Ethan's been dead since Resident Evil 7. Apparently, uh, Mr. Baker murdered him because of the mold virus. Because there's the virus they're dealing with in 7 and 8 is called the mold. And it's kind of like this weird, weird thing that brings people back to life and can regenerate them. Which explains how Ethan can get his hand cut off, his fingers bitten off, hacked up with a chainsaw, and then literally just put his body parts back on like they're nothing. <laughs> <laughs> literally i think lady dennescu actually cuts his arm off at one point Clean when he off. tries yeah and he goes back grabs his arm and then when he's going up in the elevator he just like reattaches it looks at it does the little like finger grasp just to make sure everything's working just like it was a normal day thing and when i'm watching that i was like is that no, he ha that doesn't make sense. That definitely doesn't make sense. <laughs> so by the fact that they explain that he's actually been infected with the mold virus this whole time, it makes more sense because, you know, he can regenerate. Especially also after ripping his hands off hooks. I was like, just so much hand torture porn. <laughs> I mean, I guess in first person, that's really all you could do is like, if you're trying to terrify someone, like your hands are the first thing you're going to see. So like messing with the hands which are your only defense in a first-person game, like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, and then the whole thing you come to find out that, oh, that was the other messed up thing. Each one of the lords of this village had a piece of your daughter, Rose. So, Rose was cut up and dismembered, and they were going to use her body as experiments. Each one was kind of testing little bits and pieces of her body in some way. And then they were going to bring her back together so the main bad guy, Mother Miranda, can bring back her daughter that died of the Spanish flu like a hundred years ago. Because Mother Miranda is essentially immortal until Ethan kills her. 
But yeah, so he's like collecting his daughter's body parts to reassemble her. It's so messed up. It's just God. I actually did not know that part. Yeah. Is that like the keys that you get? Yeah, the, the yellow like cylinder things. And then what happens is after you, you know, you assemble them all, you get stuck with the whole Heisenberg thing, and Mother Miranda comes, collects Rose's body parts, and then she kind of, like, fuses them back together and tries implanting the memory of her daughter into Rose's now reformed body. It sounds so ridiculous saying it out loud, but, like, if you play the Resident Evil series, it makes so much sense. <laughs> and while she's doing this... This whole fully formed baby comes out, but then she's realizing something's not quite quite right with her experiment, and then Ethan comes and is like, ha ha ha, gotcha lady. But yeah, but that reveal of him being dead was a really good twist, I have to say. And who is actually Mother Miranda? Ah, Mother Miranda is the shysty lady that helped um, Mr. Spencer create the Umbrella Foundation, or Umbrella Corporation. And she's the wife. That's who, yes. I forgot that twist. You also come to find out that uh, Mother Miranda, because she can transform into other people, she impersonated herself as Mia, kidnapped the real Mia, threw her back in the village, and was really in the opening trying to kidnap Rose. Chris came in and stopped it. Didn't tell Ethan about it. A very idiotic part on chris like he even gets reprimanded by one of his underlings just like dude you should have told him in the beginning because ethan is like freaking out when he sees chris he's like you murdered my wife and you brought me here and blah 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 like none of this would have happened if you didn't do this and blah 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 And it would have been so easy to just say, like, dude, your wife isn't actually your wife. We tried to kill her. Get your daughter back. Save you and your daughter. And we don't want you, you know, getting in trouble and getting hurt. Yeah. But in that moment, the only argument I could have is that they didn't realize that Mother Miranda could heal herself or portray herself to be dead. And I feel like if they would have revealed in that moment... Ethan, this is actually Mother Miranda. She probably would have stood back up and just, like, killed everyone in the room. Probably. Yeah. But she appeared to be dead to throw Chris and everyone else off, and then that's how she ends up, you know, attacking. And escaping, yeah. Yeah. And taking Rose. I thought the werewolf guy was, like, the Krampus guy was one of the lords. Mm Mm-mm. He worked for Heisenberg. Ah. And then naturally, at one point, we get to play as Chris, and it's great. Which, I am so glad... That they brought Chris back to his actual age. Because when you see him at the end of Resident Evil 7, he looks like a young 20-year-old, like, back in the first Resident Evil game. And I'm like, wait a minute, no way that's Chris. No, he's supposed to be in, like, his... 40s, 50s at this point. Because the raccoon incident happened in, like, 97. And now it's supposed to be 2021. And I was just like, he is too young looking to be Chris. There's some (laughs) sketchy stuff going on. But then they show him this one. I'm like, okay, fine. They brought him back to looking normal. Which is good what they needed to do poor ethan yeah he dies at the end he blows himself up and you know saves everyone he sacrifices himself in order to save everyone he cares about his wife his daughter chris his team yeah and i actually think it's pretty cool because we're now going to get a time jump in the next game because at the end of resident evil 8 you see this little end credit scene where 
his daughter Rose is now a teenager at least, and she's been clearly trained by Chris, and she has some sort of powers that we don't even know about. Like obviously regeneration, but like she clearly has more things. Because at one point, one of the uh, the Secret Service members, he comes out and he goes, "Oh, haha, Evelyn," and then which Evelyn was the name of the. Um, the main bad girl in Resident Evil 7, but Rose is essentially kind of the same thing as Evelyn. And Rose kind of looks at the guys and she goes, do not ever call me that or else you're going to regret it because I have powers that even Chris doesn't know about. And then the guy just kind of like gets taken aback and is like, oh god, I shouldn't mess with this kid. And then he hears on like his intercom, should we take the shot? No, it's just a kid, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> the words you say before you're doomed. Yeah. No, I want, in this next one, I do want it to be like a second generation type of thing. Like, I want to see other people's kids. I want to see freaking like Leon and Ada have a badass kid. And like, I want to see Claire again. And I don't know if Carlos is still alive possibly i can't i think carlos died at the end of three did he can't remember that's one where he's with jill and raccoon right yeah yeah no he didn't die he went with her in the helicopter oh yeah you're right yeah um like i want to see some of their kids and i want to see like them come out too, like be trainers well first off chris and jill always no, I wasn't saying Carlos and Jill, like, have kids, but I want to, like, yeah. Well, I just want to know what the hell happened to Jill. We haven't seen her since, like, Resident Evil 5, and I'm just like, what? well, no, that's not true. She was in Resident Evil Revelations, which is, like, a side story game, but we haven't seen much of her. I'm just like, okay, we see all the stuff that Chris has been doing. Now, what has she been doing? Because she was the other main character in the first Resident Evil game. Mm-hmm. Main love interest of Chris. Yeah. Which they actually had at one point for Resident Evil 8, Ada coming into it. They actually created a whole concept. Yeah, they had a whole concept design where at one point, at a few points, there was going to be this person like a Plague Doctor mask that keeps saving Ethan. But they ended up scrapping that idea because they thought the plot was going to become too convoluted. But that person was supposed to be Ada. Interesting. Right, which I think kind of would have been cool because that was, would have been also a reference to Resident Evil 4 where Ada kept saving Leon in mm. random points. Did she ever help uh, Sherry and Jake in that game too or no? You know, she was doing her whole own side thing and Yeah, and I know people. it like twisted into like the other stories, yeah, but I couldn't had, remember... Like, if she, like, solely just focused on Leon, her boo, or if she helped, like, Jake and Sherry and, um, was it Pierce and Chris? Yeah, I, I mean, in a way, Chris and Pierce were hunting after her, but really there was that, that clone of Ada. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, it was like a girl disguising herself as Ada, but Ada's also shysty. <laughs> no one can replace Ada. No. Ada Wong's fantastic. <laughs> All right, everyone. That was our little uh, summary review on Resident Evil 8 Village. And Tori, having not played it but watching it, on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you give it? Ooh. I did actually jump out a few scenes. And 
it does pull at your heartstrings as well because I was tearing up at the ending scene. With him dying? Not him dying, but her going to, like, the grave. Okay. Just the... She never really knew her father. Nope. Like, she knows stories of him, but... And she just goes to the gravesite. Yeah, just telling him about, like, her day and stuff, and... I started tearing up. Yeah. So, really good story. I love the characters. Um... I was more in it when you were in Demiscu's, um, was it the manor the castle, castle yeah. thing? Um, so I can more speak on that, which was pretty creepy, and I love the graphics of it, too. A um, lot of good puzzles. A lot of creepy boss fights. <laughs> yeah. Even the mini-bosses were, like, intense. That alpha werewolf thing I had to fight in the cornfield or wheat field. That was hard. All of a sudden, when you're just, like, walking downstairs, you would hear, like, screeches and just that... Huh. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, I think I would definitely give this game probably a 9 out of 10. It was creepy. It has a really good replay value. I want to do one of the games where I can get the rocket pistol gun, because that sounds really ridiculous and fun. <laughs> Apparently, they also have, like, a lightsaber knife. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Oh, but you have to keep beating it over and over again naturally, which is kind of the same way as some of the other games. The more you beat it, the more ridiculous weapons you unlock. I do have one question for you, though. Yes. What are you buying? <laughs> A friend of mine used to say that. <laughs> I love Duke. Oh, man. I love how they brought in that little aspect, too. Like, if you guys don't know, in, what was it? Uh, Resident Evil 4. 4? They have the, the merchant. merchant who always says, what are you buying? What, what are, are you selling? selling? I'll buy it at a high price. <laughs> Everyone loves the merchant. There's so many videos of people. Copying him. Yeah. And I love how they brought that aspect. Like they didn't bring in the merchant himself, but they brought in a friend of yeah, his. Yeah, the Duke. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so funny because you, even at the end, like, Ethan goes, Duke, who are you? And he goes, I even I couldn't answer that. I'm just here. <laughs> Basically, the storyteller is just saying, we don't have a story for him. He's just there. <laughs> He's the Duke. <laughs> He's there when you need him. Which is always so great because while I'm running around the castle, I could always run into the Duke's room and the bad guys would never follow me in there. <laughs> oh yeah, you were straight up getting chased by one of the daughters. And I was like, nope, ha, can't come in here, can ya? <laughs> it's great. Oh, really man. good game. Highly recommend it, even though I haven't really played it. I know by watching Ty's reactions... Like, if you're a gamer and you like creepy things and good stories, definitely play it. The one last thing I want to talk about before we go is the mods. Oh my god, Dobby. Every Resident Evil game, for some reason, modders go crazy and they'll replace characters with something else. An example was in the Resident Evil 2 remake, they, there's this bad guy named Mr. X that's chasing after you. And some modder decided to put him in a Speedo. <laughs> And this one, there was a modder that decided to replace the, the basic werewolf type of, like, enemies with Dobby from Harry Potter. <laughs> and also, instead of a, what was it, a gun or something, 
you could have a fly swatter and smack <laughs> and smack people with fly <laughs> swatter. But what I do love about the Dobby mod is when you kill the Dobby enemies, you hear Dobby is free. <laughs> and then they was fall that down. part of the mod? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was just uh, the TikTok. I mean, it's possible. I'm pretty sure it's part of the mod. <laughs> They also had other mods where, in like, in the remake of Resident Evil 3, um, instead of playing as Jill, you play as Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. There's, and like, Patrick Star. There is all of these. The Nemesis monsters replaced with Shrek. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, and then I saw some other mods where they put Lady Demiscue, like, in a bikini, and she's running around chasing you in the castle. There's, like, one where, um, <laughs> it's just a bunch of... Oh my god, what was it? Um, oh, they replaced some of the enemies with Barney in the castle. Oh my so god, there's yes. There's a bunch of purple dinosaurs coming after you. <laughs> the modding community just really loves Resident Evil. It's so funny. <laughs> All right, That's everyone. one way to actually make a scary game not as scary. That's true. But also really entertaining. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in this episode. We will try to be better next week. <laughs> and we will definitely be better. And we will see you guys next time. See ya.